0: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. Ken Swanson, Arrowhead Pride. This is The Laboratory, and it's the mailbag edition. Coming at you a day before Thanksgiving. My favorite holiday. I cannot wait. And uh, here to answer some of your guys' questions are my dear pals... First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie, what are you most looking forward to this Thanksgiving?
2: Watching football? I don't know what kind of question this is, but just like every single year, it is definitely watching football for me is what I am most looking forward to. Like, listen, Thanksgiving's a fun holiday and all, guys, but uh, turkey, vastly overrated unless you're deep frying it. Um. It's just unless you deep fry it. It's vastly overrated. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you guys that, but it is. So while I enjoy all the food for Thanksgiving, I love all the leftovers, and I'm certainly not complaining. I do not get all rustled up about getting to have turkey, but I do like to get into a turkey hangover and uh, watch football all day. So that is what I will be doing. Craig, you are shaking your head at me. I feel like you are a big turkey fan. So uh, tell me how wrong I am.
3: This is literally my favorite holiday. I I love to cook. Mm-hmm. I love to eat. This is a combination of the two things coupled with drinking and football. Like it's kind of like the, the, it's the the Venn diagram of the things that I love is a perfect circle on this day. It's wonderful and speaking of drinking, I want to give a big shout out here to our guy Ryan Call at Left Hand Ryan. Ryan has been so kind to provide us with some beers to drink during the podcast. He's a massive Chiefs fan. He's a podcast listener. He sent some brews our way. We're drinking some Nitro Stouts here. They make phenomenal brews at left hand. So please, please, please go out of your way. Find some left hand. It's all over stores in Kansas City. Buy some four packs, buy some six packs do this man a solid for helping support us listening to us he's a massive chiefs fan that works for a company that makes phenomenal beer so please go out there support this man follow him on twitter we love him
2: and don't take craig's word for it greg craig loves all beer pretty much i on the other hand Not a big beer drinker. I'm more of a bourbon and of a whiskey guy. And right now, I am all the way through this Galactic Cowboy Nitro Imperial Stout. And I'm having a grand time with it. I cannot wait to get to more of them. So yeah, if you don't want to trust Craig, because he, I mean, you should, but he loves all beer. (laughs) Trust me, a guy who does not drink much beer, because he would just prefer some other stuff, I will gladly finish off my four pack here of these bad boys, because this is right up my alley. I mean, this is absolutely delicious. And I don't say that lightly. I really, I mean, these guys will tell you, I don't drink beer very often when we go places. So the fact that I'm going to get all the way through all of these, and I can't wait to go grab another one should tell you guys everything you need to know. Look at this. I know. I'm telling you, I,
1: I 100% agreement with both of you. I'm, I've got the, I've got the milk stout and it's actually in Kansas city. This one is actually in Kansas city. I saw it uh, the other day um it's delightful it's so good i hadn't had it yet and i'm telling you it's it's a it's a it's a nitro milk stout and it's phenomenal uh we should probably answer questions i think that's what we're here to do let's get to it yes yeah we should probably go ahead and do that um it's uh let's start with the five star reviews Susie met reached out left a five star review and a question how do you see the Chiefs using DeAndre Baker this year, and do you think we'll be able to re-sign Bashad Breland after the season? Um, D- DeAndre Baker, they're going to ease him in. I believe if he's not active after the Bucks game, that the Chiefs are going to potentially have multiple years of club control over him. I believe th- potentially three years of club control over him. Two as exclusive rights free agents, a- as an f- exclusive right free agent, and one as a restricted free agent. Um, basically... The way the service time rules work, uh, DeAndre Baker is not going to accrue an entire season of eligibility this year, which means he'll be an exclusive rights free agent. An extra season. That's why it's like it keeps looking like a better move for Brett Veach. The more you look at it, it's a no-risk move, but the potential is you got a guy that went in the top in the first round for three seasons potentially. That could be massive. That's a that's a lot. It's another lottery ticket, and it's a really good one. Uh, if he screws his head on right and everything goes well, I and mean, you kind of heard the the hints with Andy Reid, it was like, well, you know, we've got a plan for him, and you know, he's going to come in if he if he does the right things. You know, that kind of that kind of mentality with him. You know, if they if they hold him accountable with this locker room, could be a really you could pay dividends. As far as Bashad Breland, I don't think they're going to resign him. Honestly, um, I, I I don't think it's going to cost much too. Especially, I don't think he's been as good this year. Uh, I think he was better last season, frankly. Um, so and the, the Raiders game was rough. It's probably his worst. It might have been his worst game as a Chief. I think it'll be pretty easy to re- re-sign Bashad Breeland if they want to. Remains to be seen if they actually will. APNerdSquad at gmail.com questions. Keith re- Keith Reigns left an email to us. Said, gentlemen, I haven't seen Frank Clark dip under a tackle since probably September. I saw him try once against the Raiders. It wasn't fully executed and was still effective. I think he has an injury, but is playing through it. He just has too much tenacity to be a jag. See interview with James Palmer after the AFC Championship game. Do you see this too?
2: All right. I'm sorry, Craig. I'm sorry, Kent. I know you guys are thinking this has got to, to be a short show, but uh, sit back, kick your feet up, relax. It's going to finish this milk stop. So, Frank Clark, I don't know exactly why. I can't tell you the why. But I can say, for some reason, this year, in the middle of last year, he was playing almost exclusively as a speed rusher. And that, that's going exactly with what you're saying here. Is You see him essentially trying to win up the edge, trying to dip under a tackle, not having a lot of success. When you go back and watch his film with Seattle, or even a little bit at the beginning of this year, or his first couple games with the Chiefs, he plays through his long arm. He plays through his speed to power in a bull rush, and then he uses his speed... As the counter to that his main rush is playing through the tackle through his length through his power and then he uses his speed rush to counter that as he gets offensive tackles to prepare to take his hands all of a sudden especially lately with the Chiefs right now when for all we know he's healthy he is not using his hands hardly at all. I don't think I've seen him really connect with a long arm a single time the past four, five, six weeks now, and he's not even trying it. So maybe it is some of those elbow injuries that he was dealing with. I believe he dealt with like three of them his final year with Seattle. I think it was bothering him a little bit last year with the pinch nerve. Maybe it's something that just flares up all the time now. Maybe the Chiefs simply don't have anybody else that can rush up the arc with any sort of speed besides him. So that's kind of where he's been designated to rush up as the speed rusher to force the quarterback to step up in the pocket. I can't tell us the exact why yet, but I will say he's not rushing with the same plan that he did with Seattle. That plan that got him paid, that plan that made him an excellent pass rusher, it's simply not there. And I'm with you guys. I don't know why right now. And he's been much less effective this way. I think for the Raiders he looked as explosive as he had in a month. He looked really good coming off the line of scrimmage. There was a couple plays where he was 10 10 and a half yards deep, which is a little deeper than you want him, but that's not bad coming around Colton Miller. And I think he realistically would have a chance to turn the corner and get to Derek Carr if anybody was getting pressure up the middle, making Derek Carr sit back deep or to drift in the pocket a little bit. It just didn't happen. So I think he looked healthy. He looked rested and explosive. I just, I'm with everybody. I wonder what happened with his hands. I wonder what happened with the power, why it's not there. I don't know if it's injury related. It looks like it could be. Maybe this is just something the Chiefs are asking of him because I mean Alex Okafor, Tondo Pasignal, those guys don't have the juice to get deep whatsoever. So maybe he's the guy that they're kind of dedicating as the deep rusher, the guy's trying to get the speed rush. I hope it goes away. I hope they get to let Frank Clark loose a little bit, let him eat, and just rush how he wants to because that's where he's the most effective. If that's the case, if not, I hope his elbows start feeling better so we can get back to some of those power Frank Clark rushes because you go watch him versus Colton Miller with his last year Seattle. He puts him on skates repeatedly over and over again. He hasn't done that in four matchups now against the Raiders with Kansas City. He's just essentially tried to beat him around the edge, and that's what Colton Miller can do the best is skirt around the edge because he's super athletic, I really do wonder what's going on with Frank Clark, whether it's coaching, whether it's him. Hopefully it fixes for the playoffs. I mean, I still think he was significantly more effective than any other defensive end on the team, so it's hard to criticize him too much. I just hope that whatever's bothering him gets fixed by the time we get to the playoffs, because we really need his pass rush.
1: Did you even take a breath
2: there, Maddie? Two times. <laughs> that was... Conveniently, the amount of pressures the Chiefs had versus the Raiders. Oof.
1: <laughs> well...
2: Speaking of that, Andrew called how do you have
1: $50 million plus in a defensive line that can't generate any pressure?
3: Yeah, that's, that's the question that Steve Spagnuolo and Brenda Daly have to answer here. Um, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, you expect them to come out and be able to wreck games. But on top of that, you expect the other guys that they put on the field next to them to be able to make some impacts as well. I showed a clip earlier this week about you know uh, the Raiders being able to double-team Chris Jones. He's an interior defensive lineman. That means he's just naturally going to catch a few more double-teams because the center, it's easy to slide that over. But Frank Clark is often chipped by a running back coming out of the field or a tight end. That leaves another defensive tackle and another defensive end that are getting one-on-one matchups. And frankly, those guys don't win them. Like, hardly ever. Taco Charlton got a one-on-one matchup almost every time that he got to rush the passer, and he was the only one that was really making a significant impact rushing the passer. Now, that's not to say that Chris Jones and Frank Clark are, you know, given a pass for the way that they're rushing the passer. They still get one-on-one matchups. They're still not handling them. They're still not able to make an impact. So both things are very true. Frank Clark and Chris Jones are not doing enough with the reps that they're getting, and the other guys that are on the team with them aren't doing enough with the one-on-one reps that they consistently get every single down. And the Chiefs don't really trust Chris Jones and Turk Wharton, the only other guy on the interior that could really rush the passer and has made an impact to be on the field together against the run. Teams will just run right up the gut against that, that front. So I don't think that it's a situation that's as simple as drop this guy in and now it gets better those guys that they have out there, Tano Passigno, Alex Okafor, Mike Dana, even Mike Pinnell and Derek Nottie, guys that aren't pass rushers, need to have a few more wins, crush the pocket a little bit more because when teams can just tee off double-team Chris Jones, chip Frank Clark, and win more often than not and have all kinds of times in the time in the pocket, it makes it way too easy on offenses and then, you know, On top of that, when Chris Jones and Frank Clark get those one-on-ones, they have to win every single one, every single one of them, because they just don't get them that often.
1: We got a lot of questions this week, as usual, but we got a lot of pass rush questions. So that probably, you probably got a lot of those questions answered with these last two uh, responses just now. So if you did ask a a question about the pass rush, we saw them. There's just a lot of them today. Time to jump to Twitter. Twitter. Michael Musia asks, is anyone on defense actually improved from last year?
2: Wow. Anthony Hitchens is three <laughs> times the player he was last year. Not three times, it's kind of a lot. But I do think Anthony Hitchens has shown a lot of improvement in his comfort with the system. It's allowed him to play mentally faster. Whether they've adjusted a few things to help him or not, I don't know. I still don't like Hitchens in coverage, and I don't think anyone's going to really push back against me on that one but in terms of a run defender he does seem to get downhill a little bit faster he seems to open up his hips to flow with plays quicker i think he's more comfortable he has shown improvement outside of him i don't know if i have anybody
3: okay maddie you're missing a clear one here it's anthony hitchens because he's the only dude like seriously everybody else has taken a step back i mean the, the corners have taken a step back. Tyron Matthew does not look like the same player. I think it was frustrating to watch him kind of flail wildly at Darren Waller out in the flats there. I know that he said that he wasn't feeling well, but it's not just been this game that he hasn't performed particularly well. Juan Thornhill has been unceremoniously benched. Dan Sorensen makes an impact player too, but he's largely the same player. You know, he struggles in what he does and he comes up and he's in the right spot sometimes. I don't think that he's gotten any better this season. I just think he's the same guy that he always is. And then, yeah, the the defensive line has not been good outside of Derek Naughty and he's just a nose tackle that does what he does, which is what he was doing last year. So realistically, the only person that I really feel like has taken the positive steps forward is Anthony Hitchens.
1: Well, (laughs) that might be the list. (laughs) I can't think of one either, guys. Um, And, I mean, I I think this is, like, it's hard to win a Super Bowl. It's really hard to win a Super Bowl. And sometimes you need guys playing at their best, and you need guys that, you know, maybe you don't expect to be much of anything playing at their best version of themselves. And that's not to say this team won't win the Super Bowl, but it is to say that it's hard to play at the kind of level that some of those guys did last year. You saw some of these guys' career years last season. Like Tano Pastio might be one of those guys. Rashad mm-hmm. Breland. I mean there's a there's a list of these guys
3: that I don't mean I don't mean to exclude it. Rashad Fenton. I, I think I can say that Rashad Fenton looks better this year than he did but last like- year. That might just be a comfort level, you know, going from a rookie season to a sophomore season. But, sure,
1: but like we're talking about, we're talking about marginal players in this defense. Mm-hmm. We're talking
2: about Rashad Fenton and Derek Nadi.
1: Yeah. Well, Outside I, mean, I will fans.
2: say, until this past game, Bashad Breland had been a little bit better than he was last year. I mean, albeit the same general player, but I think he had been better. And then all of a sudden, this is the kind of game that he seemed to have more frequently last year. Yikes.
3: Just yikes game out of Bashad Breland this week.
1: It was egregious. I watched, uh, I watched the game a couple times now, and it's just like, bro. I don't know. And it, his market's going to be interesting now. Like I know Dan
2: Sorensen's a favorite. We're just talking about rewatching the game, but there's like three routes in this game where he's just sitting completely flat footed while a guy sprints full speed at him. And he does nothing to react to a player pressing him vertically until he gets run by. And one of them was a fullback. And I just (laughs) am not entirely sure how I'm supposed to feel about this guy getting starter reps over Juan Thornhill, who has had his struggles this year and last. But I'm rewatching the game. Like, there's just plays where Daniel Sorensen just seems to have no concept of how to actually play football. And then yet he finds himself at the game ceiling interception. It's like, over I don't time. know what to do with him as a player.
1: Yeah. it's all It's how it works every single time. We're going to take a break and we will be back with more of your questions right after this.
0: You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All
1: right, continuing to answer your questions. We're on the Twitter questions. And our guy, Chief Boy RDG, has Honey Badger been slightly underwhelming this year? Plays perfectly with the regression we just talked about with the entire defense, Craig. Yeah, he has. Um, uh, Now, to be fair, Tyron Matthew was
3: playing at a Defensive Player of the Year level last year. And when he's been in the slot, he's gotten got a couple times by some excellent route runners. But especially there for maybe the first six, seven weeks, I felt like Tyron Matthew was playing pretty well. Now, again, not to that Defensive Player of the Year level, but pretty well. We've seen a couple times where you've seen the hallmarks of Tyron Matthew, where he IDs a play As it's happening, immediately knifes into the background, makes a play, you know, sets the defense up with really good field position, makes a nice PBU, whatever the case may be. I think that Tyron Matthew is still a very good player. I think he helps the secondary get organized. But as we're seeing here, if Tyron Matthew is at all impeded, whether that be mentally, physically, whatever the case may be, you see a complete and utter disintegration of this defense. And I think that when he's playing deep, that that takes him further out of the play, that just naturally, you know, the the way that these football players work, naturally he's a little further from the play. He doesn't feel like he can call some of the things that he's calling. With Dan Sorensen in the box, That means that Tyron Matthew is much further away. He doesn't get to hear some of the audibles. He doesn't get to see some of the calls. We saw this week Legereus Need came in, moved to the slot. That pushed Tyron Matthew back into a safety position. It just takes him further out of the play. And, I mean, he wasn't tackling particularly well. Don't get me wrong. It's not like putting him in the box would have been the remedy this week or anything like that. But, it does remove him from some of the communication that you see him having with some of those guys. And they looked a little bit lost because of it.
2: Last year, tired Matthew, like Craig said, was playing at a defensive player of the year rate. And I don't think that it got the real consideration that it should have just because of how much he did for the team from the leadership perspective, from the attitude, from getting guys set up. I don't think it got enough credit this year. Not that he's not still doing the same things. He's there. He's still there. You still see him ID some plays and jump on top of it. You still see him make some incredible plays. He's still a very good player. He hasn't been close to the defensive player of the year, Tyron Matthew, of last year. And I really do think there's a little bit of a... Lack of, I don't know if you want to say it's like the ability to pay attention, but the same fire. He just doesn't have the same fire he did last year. I feel like he was out to prove a point last year, coming off of the downish year with the Houston Texans. He wanted to come out and show how good he was, and he let everyone know every single moment that's what he was doing. I mean, this year you can say something negative about Tyron Matthew on Twitter and you might not actually get a response from him after the game. Like Mm -hmm. I think that lets you know where he's at right now and whether that's with everything else going on, whether that's winning a Super Bowl. I think just you need him to recheck and get himself back into that same mode that he was in last year where every little thing mattered and was a slight on him. This is the guy that had A.J. Brown saying he took the game too seriously. He had a player in the playoffs tell him or tell the media that Tyron Matthew took the game of football in a win or go home situation that he took it too seriously the Chiefs need that player back right now on defense and I don't know if they're getting it
1: all right Doyle speaking about Twitter asks why is the defense terrible and why do they get mad about it on Twitter (laughs) That made me laugh i'm sorry that just made me laugh we gotta answer it the first part of that question is
3: a little bit loaded so i'll take the second part first man you got people thousands and thousands of people coming at you about your job you know as soon as you step off the field you're heated you're you're angry at yourself like Lots of people going to snap about that. And I'm sure people are talking about the way that Tyron comes at people on Twitter, the way that Chris Jones is now coming at people on Twitter. I mean, these guys are angry about the way that they're playing. And I know that people are going to say, you know, that's part of it and everything like that. Sure it is, but it also doesn't mean that they're not going to clap back. If you're, if you're adding them and telling them how terrible they are, like it's well within their rights to come right back at you. Now, Why is the defense terrible? John Gruden called an amazing game this week. And the Chiefs, frankly, didn't tackle, didn't execute, and didn't rush the passer. And that just equaled up to be a terrible defensive performance. Against Carolina, I felt like things were poor as well. I think we're seeing the type of offense that can beat up on the Chiefs. A quicker passing game, a a strong rushing attack, and play-action deep shots – those things worked. Carolina did it, the Chargers did it. We've seen now the Oakland did it, did it twice. So this coming up against Tampa Bay, another one of those teams, the you know the New Orleans Saints coming up is another one of those teams. I think that this is just a type of offense that is just going to give this defense fits because Spags can't be as aggressive. He can't blitz to set the tempo and you know, they haven't invested heavily in the corners and these guys aren't playing as well as they did last year. So you're seeing a lot more lapses in coverage. You're seeing a lot more execution errors on the back end and teams are making them pay because of it because they have, you know, foregone some of the assets in the secondary in favor of a defensive line that frankly is not playing up to snuff and that entire amalgamation of things equals up to be a terrible defense against this style of offense.
2: The reason the defense isn't great, the pass rush isn't great, and there's not enough money or talent in the rest of the defense to make up for it. You look at teams that are getting the level of the pass rush the Chiefs have been the last three, four games. There's talent in the secondary. There's talent on the second level. The Chiefs are lacking in that because a lot of the money, a lot of the draft picks, a lot of the free agency assets have been spent on the defensive line, and they're just not turning a profit out of it at this current moment. They can turn that corner, but right now they aren't, and that's creating a lackluster defensive performance. I mean I think it's that simple. Now the why that's happening could take us a three weeks to figure out. So we will see that as that keeps happening. As far as the Twitter thing, I'm not going to touch the Chiefs players going on Twitter because, I mean, by all means, go for it. That's part of the sports world that we play in now. They're going to come out. They're going to search their name a little bit. They are going to see things you say about them. If you are afraid of that, I mean, don't be number one. But two, if you are, it is what it is. Like, have a conversation with them. Don't have a conversation with them. Do whatever you want about it. Like, you can talk about the game saying their name and not be scared. It's completely okay. But... Don't come at somebody that says a player played poorly and then be mad at them if they don't argue with the player on Twitter or social media. Like if somebody says something negative about a player and it's relatively true, like it's not them being scared or they're not being a bad fan. If they don't want to have a Twitter argument with the player or if they don't respond back, if the player comes at them, just let them have their take about the game It's very common. We all do it. Just let it happen. Like you can say something about the game without being scared of a player coming at you. And what you don't need is other people saying like, Oh, look at you. Now you're scared because Chris Jones or Tyron Matthews coming at you. Like, just let it go. It's over.
1: Craig used amalgamation. Like that's salute. My friend, I think it's funny when like one of the jokes that we kind of like player name searchers are the funniest thing on Twitter. And there are, several chiefs players that search their name it's not tagging them they are searching their name or searching their teammates names and it's really funny and you can probably come up with a list of the guys that do it because they just show up into random conversations that they weren't tagged in or maybe they weren't even mentioned in maybe it was one of their teammates it's really funny ian harris 58 which is uh more of your favorite and why the chief's final drive to roast the raiders on sunday or Derek carr's scary scally face memes
2: <laughs> i mean definitely a for me i while i enjoy the Derek carr memes i don't think they're as good as the crying ones so they're already a number two meme for me just in terms of Derek carr the final drive was fantastic i love how easy the final drive was, and yes, I understand that Patrick Mahomes made plays out of structure, which isn't always easy. But for him, it was for pa- on the Patrick Mahomes scale, that drive was like a C plus in terms of effort. Things just came as easily as they possibly could have, and knowing that, being a Chiefs fan, knowing that Patrick Mahomes had to play slightly above average for him. To turn in a two minute, a flawless two minute drive to steal the game from a division rival trying their hearts out. I mean, that's just the best feeling in the world.
3: Yeah, it, it's A, and mostly because I don't want to stare at Derek Carr's face, period. Um, <laughs> but it, it, Matt's exactly right. That was way too easy. Now, I, the list of people that thought that the Chiefs weren't going to at least tie this game was very small. When they handed the ball back to Patrick Mahomes with over a minute forty left in the game, it's like, yeah, and a timeout, you know, yeah, this is going to happen. Patrick Mahomes is at least going to drive down for a field goal attempt. This thing is going to happen. But when when you leave Travis Kelsey wide open in the end zone, Jonathan Abram, you're asking for this. I mean. It, It was far too easy. That's the difference right there. The Chiefs' defense was not good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to put them on a pedestal over the the Raiders or anything like that. But that's abysmal. In the moment, the gotta-have-it moment, this is the team that you have to beat. This is the final boss for the AFC West. And you know what you did? You dropped your weapon on the ground, and you just let them roll right over you at the end. It's... uh, It was absolutely hilarious for me, a Chiefs fan, to sit back and watch Patrick Mahomes not even have to really manipulate too terribly much to get Travis Kelsey wide open in the end zone, the best tight end in the NFL, offensive player of the year. That's just too easy for me, and I love that.
1: Someone asked me to roast Jonathan Abram on here and go full rant Swanson on Jonathan Abram. My man bit so hard. The, the hint of Patrick Mahomes escaping the pocket. My man thought he was going to make a play. He was so excited to make a play. And what happened? It took – like, seriously, Mahomes had – Mahomes well, like – I'm pretty sure Mahomes stared Kelsey down because, like, as soon as he got, like, two steps out of the pocket, he looked, and he's like, what what is John Abram doing over here? Mahomes – and the funny thing is, I'm not even sure – I don't even think – like, John Abram was flat-footed. Like, I'm pretty sure Mahomes could have got that ball over him and he wouldn't have been able to recover over the top because I'm pretty sure Travis Kelsey would have stuck behind him even if he hadn't driven on the on the play. I'm not joking. I don't know – John Abram, I don't know where he is half the time. It's hilarious. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I swear he doesn't know half the calls in the playbook. But he's just flying around the field trying to make a play, trying to get TV time. All the time. John Abram knew that play was dead at the goal line, but he decided to run down the field 100 yards because my man wanted some TV time. And
3: cost his some... team a timeout. Cost his team and a timeout. And cost his team
1: a timeout. That's John Abram loves himself some John Abram. Is this Salmon or is this Salmon? You know what it is. And you know what it is? You caught an L this week. That L that was silent in Salmon, you caught it. Ritt Swanson actually came out. Huh. Yeah.
2: <laughs> i like the salmon line That salmon i felt pretty good about that one i'll have to tweet that out later this is like the fourth time you've used the salmon salmon thing though, I but, know. It, but it, it's, it's but it's
3: the soft l the 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 silent l that, that he's oh really no if this
2: was there. the only time Kent used it it would be a massive victory <laughs> john abrams a soft l <laughs> he,
3: he's been he's been workshopping that thing on the podcast for weeks now
2: I just, you know,
1: I don't know why that bothers me so much, but it's just like, why? Why? Why?
3: Because Jonathan Abrams is a little bit of a milk drinker for you.
0: He
1: just loves himself some himself. I think his teammates love him, so that doesn't allow him to be
2: a milk drinker. And and he's also
3: a good football player, so that also doesn't allow him to be a milk drinker. Yeah. No,
2: J.J. Watt's a milk drinker, according to Kent, so I don't think a good (sighs) football player is.
1: Andrew Nagel, too, asks... Loved the live stream. It was a great way to watch the game. Please do it again. Thank you. Uh, Shout out to BJ Kissel and Outside the Trenches for putting that together and and Jack Stack for putting that together. That was a lot of fun. What's the solution to the abysmal pass rush problem? This, along with things like the disappearance of Juan Thornhill, makes the defense ungood. Well, much like the live stream, I think if we all just ate a little more Cookie Society cookies,
3: that well, everything would be so much better. Oh, Company men, right here. Look at us. They just we're, so good we're just
1: we're just plugging Order everything some. today. Go
3: go talk to Jeff Allen. Order you some go take cookies. It. Yo,
1: they. Uh, this is this is legit. Those
3: cookies are phenomenal. Yes. Solution to the abysmal pass rush problem. I, I think I kind of talked about it up front. You got to have other guys win. You got to have Tano Passigno. You got to have Alex Okafor. You got to have Mike Dana. You know, Turk Wharton. It has been doing a great job in the limited reps that he gets, but he's replacing Chris Jones on a lot of those non-dime reps. When the Chiefs get into their dime defense, they get Clark Jones, Wharton, and now either Tono Passigno or Alex Okafor on the field. That's a good enough matchup because you'll have Wharton win his matchup. He wins a one on one. That gets good pressure. Frankly, The Chiefs have to be able to stay ahead of the sticks. They were not able to either time that they played against the Raiders. They struggled with that against Carolina as well. Just weren't able to stay in the dime defense. That means they can't tee off with those guys, and that means you've got some inferior pass rushers. The Chiefs need another defensive end that can rush the passer opposite of Frank Clark that will free up both Chris Jones and Frank Clark to get more one-on-ones. It just it's a cascading thing and teams can just focus on those two. So I think that either Chris Jones or Frank Clark have to just go
1: superhuman and beat these doubles that they're seeing, or you've got to have another guy step up. Captain Denny asks, do you think Mitchell Schwartz retires after this year? I honestly would not be stunned if Mitchell Schwartz moves on after this year. He's got back problems. It's it's not, I don't think it's a mystery. I don't think that's, news to anybody there's been back history back back history for him um i think it's been slow for him to recover maybe they're saving him for the playoff run but i do think he's on the uh, on the end towards the end of his career which is kind of surprising to say for a guy who's you know he's 31 32 but i would not be stunned to see an early retirement from mitchell schwartz um, and I think part of the reason that the Chiefs drafted an offensive tackle so early last year was because of that. Chiefs channel asks, could Willie Gay be part be part of the solution in generating some pass rush off the edge?
2: I think Willie Gay would be useful in pass rushing off the edge as an extra player, but I don't think that Willie Gay as a pass rusher is particularly more advanced than Alex Okafor, Tano Pasnog, so on and so forth. I think he's a better blitzer than pure pass rusher, much like any other linebacker. Now, I wouldn't be sad to see him take some of Damian Wilson's reps in the nickel just because I do believe that he could be a better blitzer and a better player in coverage. But I don't think he's this kind of long-term answer or secret weapon as a pass rusher. He does, still doesn't have the moves like most linebackers just to beat a blocker that's put in front of him to put him on the line of scrimmage as a pass rusher.
1: Probably the most important question of the podcast today. Casual Pablo. Would you rather have waffles or pancakes? This is a separate podcast, all in itself. This take this this has been heated debates between us and Chief Bearcat.
3: I was eviscerated for saying that pancakes are superior to waffles, and I know the stances of each member of this podcast. I like pancakes better. I don't dislike waffles. I like what you can do with pancakes better. I like the stack. I like the way that they soak. Up syrup better I just think that they are a, a more superior breakfast pastry and Maddie I know you have lots of takes and Kent has lots of takes I'm not going to go any further I've already I've already stated my case on Twitter and everybody hated me for it so I'm, I'm just throwing that out there right
2: now for a guy who puts cooking in his Venn diagram he must not know how to cook a proper waffle if it's not soaking up his syrup the right way That's all I have to say about that because we all know that waffles are more versatile, more delicious. You get a combination of textures in a waffle that a pancake literally falls asleep in your stomach dreaming about. Mm -hmm. Waffles get a walk down the aisle with a piece of fried chicken. Pancakes like, oh, what, I just get fruit? cool man like everybody knows that waffles are better you can use them as savory you can use them as sweet you can put them as a side you can make them a main course waffles have everything pancake is literally offered as an endless option at ihop you can get endless pancakes because they are just like they're the tortilla chips of the breakfast pastry. You can just get them anywhere endlessly. You guys can both put your fingers down right now. <laughs> Waffles are better. You know it, I know it, and every listener knows it.
3: They don't call it I-how. They, they call I it I-how. I was going How.
2: there, Craig! I had a good setup! I was going to
1: be like, hey, Craig, you ever been to I-how? <laughs> Dang it!
2: Waffle House.
1: Wow, he's, he's got a point. Yeah. <laughs> but dang it that's a good point there's death they both there's they both have houses
2: I love that kit is so thrown off by the counter that he can't even get into his entire spiel right now no you want to talk about versatility
1: what you're talking about is something getting like thrown on top of a waffle pancakes are a much better Much, much, much better vehicle for variety. They actually integrate better from a, if you wanna integrate different toppings with a pancake, it's 1,000 times better than what you do with a waffle. You're talking about throwing chicken on waffles. Waffle. it's just a plain waffle. You wanna talk about a maple bacon pancake? You wanna talk about, you wanna talk about a cinnamon pancake, like a cinnamon roll pancake? Variety is so much better versatility so much better from a pancake and if you can't figure out ways to utilize the the perfect delicious texture of a pancake try to make it a breakfast taco with a pancake and then get back to me matthew your case was stronger
2: when craig let off and stopped talking i i got really i
1: legit got flustered (laughs) Legitimately got blessed. He
3: forgot about Waffle House. He legitimately forgot about Waffle House.
2: I mean, like so IHOP's. You, IHOP's not used as like a national like emergency beacon like Waffle House is. So,
3: just saying, they got to sell their waffles. They're losing money on those waffles. IHOP can afford to close. Let's move yeah, on the, with the football talk.
1: <laughs> the brand's stronger for IHOP, so they don't have to be open twenty four. They don't have to be open during a hurricane. Jackson Redford, I've been hearing rumors of a disturbing lack of effort among some players on the defensive line, especially in the Raiders game. Have you seen this while reviewing the film? And if so, could this be the main reason we didn't pressure Derek Carr on Sunday?
3: I mean, it's not the main reason why we didn't pressure Derek Carr on Sunday. The Raiders offensive line did a great job. I mean, we've talked about all the different reasons. But, guys, this this happens. Um, I, The player that I think everybody's referring to, on a lot of these things is Chris Jones. Chris Jones will let up often when his first pass rush move does not work. He will stand up. And especially if the quarterback is booting away from him, he's not going to go full Turk Wharton and chase him to the sidelines. Now that's fine. He's, done that literally his entire career. I I don't know if everybody's just noticing it recently because the pass rush has been struggling a little bit. And so there's just a hyper-focus on Chris Jones, hyper-focus on Frank Clark, maybe not finishing some reps. And that does happen, but it happens every single week. It's, It's rare that you see a guy like Turk Wharton chasing a dude 25 yards down the field when he weighs 300 pounds. It is. That's kind of why we love Turk Wharton, because of that effort, that motor, that everything like that. I do think that maybe Chris Jones has a couple more plays like that every game this year. I don't think that that's a bad thing. It's part of what is the Chris Jones experience. He is an elite pass rusher. This team is better for having him on it. Chris Jones is the best defensive player on this team right now this year. Frankly, it's it's not particularly close either since Frank Clark appears to be either injured or something's going on. It's the Chris Jones show up front. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't do things like that. It's okay to admit that a player is good And he has deficiencies. You don't have to shy away from that. You don't have to make excuses for that player doing things like that. Because frankly, he does things like that. But he's always done things like that. If you pay attention, you see some of these things you take the good with the bad no player is perfect no player is aaron donald all the time and even aaron donald has some mistakes that he makes it's okay to criticize dudes and notice some of these things it's also okay to have a hyper awareness when they're not performing to their highest it's also fine to admit that they're the best player on the team still and that they're still a good football player. I just That's a lot of things all rolled into one there, but I've been seeing a lot of the back and forth. He's always done it. It's fine. He's going to snap out of it. It's going to be fine.
1: You don't have to be 100% Homer about everything. It's okay to have conversations with nuance. Uh, Also, by the way, that fact is not lost on the Chiefs organization about Chris Jones and his effort, by the way. They still paid him. So what does that tell you? Yeah, they're fine with it. So they're they're fine. They're living with it. They're living with it. You can acknowledge it. You can acknowledge that he's not a hundred percent every single play, but, and also acknowledge that they paid him a lot of money because he is a outstanding pass rusher. Sir flex. Although the pass was not caught, Ward still got beat deep. I think it, we all know what play. I think it's the Nelson Aguilar play. If I remember correctly, uh, it's Sneed's time. Eventually, hopefully they aren't scared to make that switch soon thoughts. This is Legere Sneed's first week back. And you saw him getting to play a little bit in the nickel. Um, you saw him uh, get subbed out for Rashad Fenton late in the game, possibly because they wanted. I, I don't. I was speculating on the Zoom or on the live stream, maybe that they just wanted high levels of communication experience there for that kind of situation. They were kind of really just you know being a little bit patient with him, try not to. I don't think they're trying to just throw him into the fire immediately. Legereus needs the most talented cornerback on this football team. And in the small sample size we've seen, it's not even been particularly close. He gets his hands on the football. He's got ball production. Um, They need him. And they need him sooner than later. Hopefully, um, they feel more comfortable getting him back into the mix pretty quick here. Jake from SF15. Knowing what we know now, would you rather have Kendall Fuller or Emmanuel Ogba on the 2020 Chiefs?
2: Well, I think Kendall Fuller is probably the slightly better player so far this year, and I think that he would help the Chiefs. I think you'd have a harder time fitting in his role next to Tyron Matthew than you would putting Emmanuel Ogba out there as the starting defensive end across from Frank Clark. You would solve so many issues because Ogba, while healthy last year for the Chiefs and this year for the Dolphins, is creating good pressure. He is creating consistent pressure. While I don't think he's the kind of speed rusher that I really would like to see across from Frank Clark, I do think that he's a good enough pass rusher that if you just leave him one-on-one with a subpar right tackle and expect him to be erased like everybody else on the team, it's not going to happen. I think Agba would provide that third pass rush that this team desperately needs right now, which would make everybody in the secondary play a little bit better. With Kendall Fuller, I would just have to work around Tyron Matthew, who plays his best in the slot, to also play Kendall Fuller. I still don't think in this defense he would excel outside like he did at last year. So for that reason, I think I have to lean Agba right now.
3: I'm, I'm going to disagree with Maddie. I think Emmanuel Agba has been the better player this year. I think he's been the best pass rusher that the Miami Dolphins have had. I I Kendall get. Kendall
2: Fuller has the best passer rating against him I this. I
3: understand year. that. I do understand that. Okay. I also think that Washington football team does an excellent job of protecting him. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that they do a, an exceptional job of protecting him. Emmanuel Agba is the best pass rusher on a good Miami Dolphins defense. And he's part of the reason why that defense has been so good. They are constantly, it's a barrage, wave after wave after wave of pressure from the Dolphins. And I think Emmanuel Agba would just be an ideal fit. I don't think that you have a situation like Derek Carr... Being able to manipulate the pocket that he did this weekend, if you had Emmanuel Agba, 2020 Emmanuel Ogba, playing opposite of Frank Clark this past week, I think there's a lot more pressure. I think there's a lot more discomfort, and that's going to result in a lot more inaccurate throws, maybe some interceptions. I think there's a lot of games that go a lot differently if they have Emmanuel Ogba opposite
1: of Clark. Interestingly enough, these are the two guys that the Chiefs are getting compensatory picks for. Fourth in a fifth-round pick. Kendall Fuller getting a fourth-round pick as currently situated. Emmanuel Ogba generating a fifth. That's pretty cool. D-Silky 10 will close with this. With the additions of uh, Martinez Rankin, Stephen Wisniewski, and the eventual return of Mitch Schwartz, what is the optimal starting offensive line that the Chiefs can go with moving forward? All right, I'm going to go from
3: left to right. Eric Fisher, Martinez Rankin. I'm going to go with Austin Ryder because it appears that he's back in the good graces of, the, of Andy Heck and Patrick Mahomes. And then I'm going to go Wisniewski and then Mitchell Schwartz. Although Mike Rimmers has been pretty good out there right now, I just think that if you get Mitchell Schwartz to the point where his back can hold up for an entire game, I know that he's not been great so far this season, but he's still Mitchell Schwartz. That's still an all-pro right tackle. I think if he can tap in and just finish for a few games, you can get that Mitchell Schwartz back. he That's your best offensive line.
2: Yeah, in the perfect world where Mitchell Schwartz is healthy, like I don't need him to return to the all pro form, but just completely healthy. If him starting at right tackle and with Craig's exact lineup, I think is the move. However, I don't think Mitchell Schwartz is just going to be 100% healthy. And if what I'm getting for Mitchell Schwartz is what I got for the first few weeks of the season before he eventually got injured, I'm not sold that Mike Rimmers is not the better option at right tackle, and that's almost blasphemy to say. Like, that is a problem going from an All Pro player to a guy that has seemingly been benched when he played offensive tackle throughout his entire career. But Rimmers has been good. I really liked his run blocking, the power element he's brought to the run blocking that Mitchell Schwartz just simply has never really excelled at. And then with Mitchell Schwartz injury limiting his mobility, he hasn't been the best in pass protection. So Rimmers. Might be the better option going forward. And I'm just not certain that we see Mitchell Schwartz again this year at a healthy level. So I'm with Craig there. I want Eric Fisher, Martinez Rankin. I don't love Austin Ryder at center, but I do think him and Patrick Mahomes have the best connection out of guys to play there. I'd get Stefan Wisniewski over Andrew Wiley at right guard and then round it out with Rimmers if Mitchell Schwartz is not 100% healthy.
1: I'm going with Schwartz at right tackle. And Wisniewski, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, I'd probably give Wisniewski the shot and I probably, I, I'm going there, but I think it's kind of by default. Andrew Wiley's been bad this year. Steven Wisniewski just got released by the Pittsburgh Steelers, waved injured. It's not like he's this hot commodity. I don't know if he's going to be the same guy that you saw last year that had some really good moments, uh, along the interior last season. Um, but. He, he's probably better than Andrew Wiley. Andrew Wiley has not been good this season. So that's the line I'm rolling with as well. Um, and hopefully Schwartz returns to a level that we, we know uh, he's capable of. That is going to do it for the AP Laboratory Mailbag Edition. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back later to preview Chiefs-Bucks. Another big game. Cannot wait. We'll catch you later.
0: So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, of Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.